0: Do you guys still have the same? Oh, yeah. All right.
1: Oh, yeah. The hottest.
0: The hottest track ever to exist. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the beat in, Brandon. (laughs) If I could beatbox, I would start right now.
1: Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the podcast with friends in high
2: places.
0: Today we have Zoe, Laura, and Ozzy. And today, as you may have guessed, we have a
1: very special guest joining us. Not only a friend of the pod, a bestie of the pod, a founder of the pod. It's Taylor. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi, hi, it's
0: me, it's Ambria. It's Ambria. Oh my Ambria. god, a long time fan. Oh my
1: god, thank you, thank you. Do you have any p- images of me up in your
0: bedroom? Uh, has such a great are you Asking bathroom, <laughs> living room. There you are, right there. You're looking off into the sunset with me. I don't know if you remember that. Is that me holding your butt? It is. For listeners,
1: there's an image behind Laura's head of two people looking at the sunset, and you can see their butts, and they're holding each other's butts. So that's me and Laura.
0: Yeah, perfect. It's perfect.
1: (laughs) Beautiful. It's what I've always wanted.
0: I'm so glad to hear it. I've been meaning to show you, but...
1: I feel like Laura and I have only been in the same room in physical reality like twice. Right? I literally because. was
0: thinking about this earlier today.
1: It's- we never held each other's butts. <laughs> a well, missed opportunity. It's How'd, funny yeah. because
0: when we did, it would be like though I would see you like a few days in a row because I remember when we did the show in New York and then also in Chicago. And then I had like a friend stay with you. <laughs> One time. We had a whole day in, well, I know we had a whole day day in new york yeah i think we must have but
1: every other time like less time together because even when we did the first show in chicago um that was at the township which closed like three days after we had our show there yeah
2: i wow. don't know shut it
1: down we shut it down um i feel like they were, we were like, just we can't doing top. the show
0: oh yeah they were like we can't top this <laughs> we can't top the ghost of Na- nancy reagan we can't like just okay. shut it all t-
1: If you were unlucky enough to not be present at the Chicago live show, uh, which was done around Halloween time, Laura dressed up in a in a skirt suit to be the ghost of Nancy Reagan and like gave a monologue. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And my mom was there. Yeah, it's so great. was Alita. We like didn't know what to do. We're like, okay, well, let's do a live show. It's sold out. We were like, uh, let's do a seance. Okay, we'll do that. We'll bring back dead conservative people.
2: Anyway. We brought
1: a
0: witch who, like, had
1: a do you remember they did like a um like a sort of like how to manipulate someone into falling in love with you in the spiritual realm by I, I
0: vaguely astral projecting. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Great show. Incredible. I've looked back at the photos before and I'm like, I look really hot.
0: Oh, well, when do you oh,
1: yeah. not? I, you know, <laughs> no, you're right. I always look hot. Exactly. That's my, <laughs> that's my line for the public. I love that. <laughs> Well, and Ambria and I have only become in-person friends since after the podcast. Well, since after Ambria's been on the podcast, because I moved to Chicago. IRL. Actually, we met in person for the first time at Ambria's launch party. <gasps>
0: oh, right? my wow. God. I think Iconic. So.
1: I think so. I, like, came in while Ambria was giving her amazing, like, launch speech, and then she... <laughs> We made eye contact from across the room, and as soon as it was oh, over, oh, that's right! It, yeah, you were, people were like trying to talk to you, and you were like, "I have to get to Zoe. I'm going to beeline for Zoe." Yeah. All of you, you can make or break my political career, but I'm going to go talk to Zoe <laughs> because you know what? By the people for the people. That's right, baby. <laughs> Season of the bitch.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right.
1: Make new friends,
0: but keep, but keep the old. <laughs> Yes. one is silver <laughs> in the other and the other's gold and i
1: i feel like that moment should show your supporters who were there like how much for ride or die you are you were like yeah you're all here to support so my true, my yeah. launch party but my former co-host is in the back i'm gonna go talk to that hoe with a nose ring <laughs> that's <laughs> right step back <laughs> <laughs> so um, as- <laughs> <laughs> my go my goth girlfriend is over yonder <laughs> Oh my god. I goodness. need to go talk to her. Yeah. Wow. I'm so honored. Well, the goth girlfriend over yonder. As, as any newer listeners probably gathered, <laughs> Ambria is a former host of the pod. But for for our newer listeners, Ambria, do you want to introduce yourself slash give like a, a where is she now for our longtime stance who mm. haven't heard from <laughs> you in a minute?
0: Maybe yeah. they needed to like tussle their brain around Caliban and the and the witch to scratch their memory of all of this well back in the day yeah caliban and the witch is a book by
1: sylvia federici and we talked about it on the very first episode of this podcast that you're listening to right now <laughs> um back in the day i mean every I, I mean maybe people who are listening know about the lore of, of founding this podcast so i guess i'll try to talk more about ambria yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah. i'm gonna Tell
1: try the founding of ambria. Yeah, the founding of Ambria. It all happened when my parents were in a hotel in Philly. Um, it all
0: happens in Philly. <gasps> we were both founded in Philly.
1: Yeah, and they didn't even live there. Um, yeah. Anyway, they tell me I was conceived in Philly, and now my partner is from Philly. Wow. So, you know, it all it all comes full wow. circle. He makes me watch basketball. Now I know way too much about the Sixers. Oh, my God, I forgot that that's what Max and I initially – Oh, I shouldn't have said oh no Leaps, no name. we can talk we can talk <laughs> about max oh okay. okay we can talk about him. that's what we my <laughs> partner Has, max yeah yes when y'all came to my birthday last year i forgot that's what we bonded over is that he was from philly and he asked if i was into sports and i was like as much as anything else <laughs> like i was like if i'm into sports yes
0: philly so
1: anyway so So demure i feel so like <laughs>
0: i'm just like i have never met max but in my mind i have because like the entire time i've known ambria i feel like it's been like why the frick is no one good enough for ambria this absolute angel why are these like garbage people rotating into ambria's life and then i was like (laughs) oh my god this is so nice this person actually worships you like the goddess you are so
1: yeah max is sticking Um, it's, it's, it's got some staying power at this point. Wait, I'm sorry, because this is a deviation, (laughs) but I think it's important. I think it's important because it's about your campaign. Did Max tell you what I said to him at the recent birthday party slash your like campaign office opening? Well, that was over a year ago, but I do not recall. No, no, not that your office opening that just happened. (gasps) Oh yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay. So for the for for everyone's reference ambria has a very cute what's it called a campaign office right yeah campaign office very cute they painted everything including the floor and so when i got there ambria told me they had painted the floor and then i was talking to max and i asked him if he helped paint the floor and he said yes and i said i just felt like you had floor painting energy And he was like, I don't know what that means. They're going to take it as a compliment. And I was like, it is a compliment. It's just like, you're so involved with everything that if, if the floor needed to be painted, like you would paint it. And I just feel like that's really representative of of what we were saying about the relationship. Yes. What Laura, how Laura that is Max. Then. Yes. <laughs> if like Max is the guy that like just takes the trash out and just does the laundry. Um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, can I bear my soul yeah. here tonight? Of course. Uh, Please do. We would have it no other
0: way.
1: Max does the laundry to the extent that he folds my clothes and puts them in my drawers. And we've discussed where things go. Like, he literally folds my laundry and puts it in the drawers. Now, this is not to say that, you know, I'm not pulling my weight, right? (laughs) I wasn't
0: concerned.
1: I'm the only one that mops the floors. You know, there's a, Mm.
0: eh,
1: you know, it's not that I'm doing nothing, but- I never dream. Yeah, I always struggled with laundry, and like having a big pile of laundry. And I told him that, and he was like, "Well, I'll do all the laundry." Anyway, that's the kind of person that Max is.
0: Mm. Um, we love to see it.
1: We love the to kind see of it. But anyway. person that
0: Ambria is. Yeah, the story about Ambria. Yeah. No. Also, <laughs> the person that Ambria is will always and forever be number one in everyone's hearts. Thank you. Yeah.
1: That's true. Fuck. Fuck Max.
0: Um, <laughs> I, don't I mean, care there's, how... no, there's nothing wrong with number two, but, like, he's got to know.
1: Yeah, he's got to know. <laughs> I'm number one. Exactly.
0: Okay, so
1: I was born a baby uh, in wow. Pens- not Pensacola, Florida. My mom's from Pensacola, Florida, in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I grew up in Illinois, though. Uh, I was in rural Illinois for a long time. I uh, moved to Chicago as a teenager because me and my mom were living rough And I moved in with my older brother here in Chicago. And then, um, you know, got expelled from high school. Uh, and then, uh, one thing led to another, and now I'm running for alderman, uh, in the 11th ward where the daily, you know, the Chicago machine might be something that people are familiar with. Uh, but the Chicago machine was mostly run by the daily family. Yeah, and this is like their their turf. I live in the
0: neighborhood of Bridgeport. Oh, the yeah. Daly family.
1: And Patrick Daly Thompson was the alderman when I launched my run. Uh, Patrick Daly Thompson went to prison uh, after we had announced he was in, indicted and then convicted and Jeez. then went to prison. And then uh, the mayor appointed his replacement. Chicago is one of the only cities where we don't have a special election if an alderman leaves midterm the mayor appoints the person that's been manipulated a lot in the past they appointed someone who is um whose father was the chief deputy of staff for richard m Daly when he was the mayor
0: Jesus. they
1: appointed his daughter who was like an executive for united airlines and worked for bp oil as well um so she's the alderman now uh and that's the incumbent uh, so that's where we're at. So I'm that's running the Chicago machine. It's me and like six other Law and Order candidates. Um, oh my god,
0: I'm the only progressive.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <Yes. laughs> Yeah. Yeah, wild.
0: or great. You know, I mean, I feel like great because of hopefully people in that area are just like fuck these people. We're fucking ready for change.
1: A lot of people are. Yeah. That's what we're hinging this on. Like, basically, what we believe is we just have to make sure everybody's heard of me. Yeah. And that's basically the trick. You know, you'd be surprised how many people I talk to are who when... everyone I know has heard of you. So, well, you'd be amazed how many people I talk to and like who haven't heard of me yet. So many have, which has been great news. Uh, but I talk to people and I kind of just introduce myself and I'm like, I'm running for alderman. They're like, yeah, I'll vote for you. And like I haven't even told them anything about myself. They're just like, oh yeah, you seem normal. Um you know, you'd be surprised like how hungry people are just for someone who isn't a big wig. Yeah, I guess a lot of sense. Who you can talk to, who's like standing on the sidewalk not wearing a
0: suit. Right. Yeah, it's fucking Rust Belt, like what? Right? Isn't Chicago part of the Rust Belt? No, it's not. Never mind. Um no. right? It it has you know, like I feel that. Energy, I feel like but we
1: it's... steal Rust Belt valor, but I don't mm. know if we're really Rust Belt. Got I think it. we used to be. I mean, we have the stockyards, the hog butcher of the world. I think here it ends in the war, in
0: Michigan, maybe, but yeah, I think it's kind of like or like middle middle of Illinois, right? Which... Anyway, all that to say, the working class values are there is what I was trying to say, regardless of its Rust Belt status. Yeah, like people dress so bad here. It's like basically the Rust Belt. (laughs) It's basically, are you saying people in the Rust Belt? I I live in the Rust Belt and I'm a fucking fashion icon, but just saying. Do do people look at you weird when you walk by? They look at me with awe, really.
1: Yeah, and that's because they're not used to seeing fashionable people. (laughs) All right, you're the exception, not the rule, Laura. Let's be real.
0: I want to visit you in Buffalo. How's the snow? I mean, right now we have no snow, but we had a massive storm where people got like six feet of it's snow. It's all gone? It's all gone, yeah. Wow, got to love global warming. Yeah. Crazy shit happens and the snow just like melts. <laughs> I know. Well, six feet of snow consecutively in a span of two days is actually like... That used to be very, very common in my childhood and just, like, really not common anymore because of climate change. So having it, it was, like, it actually felt almost like a bit of a relief. Um
1: It's only started to now dip into the 30s here in Chicago. Wow. It's December. That's wild. That's I almost can't wild. register that it's December because, like, it's been so warm. And it didn't – what happened is, like, we didn't get a fall. Right. You know, it was, like – warm 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 cold very weird so true so ambriam so true bestie so, so true bestie so as a politician i think it's like really important that you're transparent with people and so we wanted to like start off with a pretty hard hitting question for you um fuck off <laughs> i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> can you for the people and actually longtime listeners should know this information yes. especially if you're a patreon supporter but if you're not ambria what is your sun moon and rising sign okay really sorry to report I am a Libra Sun happy to and the Libra Sun <laughs> I am a Libra moon oh
0: my God I couldn't remember if it was moon or rising but I knew you had double Libra
1: and no Leo rising oh
0: Leo rising I love that and that makes so much fucking sense (laughs)
1: the world the world is a stage baby
0: (laughs) that's right well I have a lot of dear people in my life who are Leo risings and I just I also just feel like Leo risings are people that are good at connecting with other people because people are inherently drawn to you so like this is a great position for you but the Libra sun Libra moon combo have you ever made a decision in your life? Yeah. And
1: I would say that, in fact, I have learned to make decisions. Uh, you know, I, I feel like sometimes people with challenges learn to do something even better.
0: That's so
1: true. You no, know, my non-neurotypicals out there, maybe you feel like things that were a challenge for you that weren't for other people, maybe you mastered it even better than other people did because you had to cope.
0: Yeah, And you math, have to learn how to everything. do it oh my God. By, the, by the math, right? Yeah, so you've gone a long
1: way by from our math. Libra Moon support group. Yeah, yeah. I feel like now I'm an expert at making decisions because I know how to deal with having a hard time making decisions.
0: And I feel but- like… because Libra is so associated with justice, again, it leads very well into all this work you're doing where you are making decisions that are based on you're going to be weighing the pros and cons of every single thing you do. And you're going to be thinking through that like in a thoughtful and like intentional way. And I think that that really will become clear when we start like talking about the things that you're doing in this campaign. Yeah, um, I was just banging a gavel. You guys couldn't <laughs> see it
1: out there on on the airwaves. Well, not the airwaves, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I do think that um, whether or not it has to do with where the sun was when I was born, um, I do think about my decisions deeply. And um, that's something that has always guided me. You know, um, I feel that I'm someone who doesn't just like stick to what I believe, no matter what. I think I'm principal, but at the same time, um, it's hard emotionally, but when people criticize me, I think about it. And I think that's actually a strength of mine. Um, totally. That I, I try to take it to heart. And that doesn't mean like everything everyone says, I take it at face value, but um, I think we want people in office, I would think that are at least willing to consider Possibility of being wrong.
0: Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, because you're going to be. Everyone's going yeah. to be wrong at some point. Um, we've never yeah. had a perfect. I mean, I haven't election, been though. yet. Not yet. I haven't been.
1: I haven't been wrong about anything yet. But I'm. I'm open to the fact that you know it could maybe. happen. Yeah, it could.
0: <laughs> there's a, there's just a chance. You know. Yeah, statistically, like I'm a logical person. Totally. Um, Okay, so let's talk about your time as an educator and union worker, Um, being a teacher in the Chicago public schools. I mean, truly being a teacher in the United States is a fucking challenge, um, to say the least. Lack of funding and support, long hours. There's corrupt um, superintendent systems. Um, How has this work informed where you are now and your commitment to the people?
1: Working for Chicago public schools has been really brutal. I already felt like I was radicalized before I went to teach in the classroom, but there are certain things that just really develop you as a person. Mm -hmm. And as um, somebody in politics, you know, it's clear to me that the city of Chicago doesn't want its schools to succeed uh, because I personally believe that public education as a public good could succeed but I think there are a lot of elements trying to privatize it. And so the way that I experienced that personally in the city of Chicago is them like launching multi-million-dollar initiatives to overhaul curriculum and paying a bunch of consultants at Tim McGraw. I, I think it was to create a new curriculum called Skyline, which I then tried to use, which was horrible. Um, you know, not leveled curriculum, correctly, um, only in an online portal, no paper materials available for social studies, at least, Um, you know, dealing with my principal. uh, And, you know, principals basically are representatives of CPS, the higher ups, and they want them to control their schools. Some principals are better at it than others. That means they're better dictators, basically. Um, You know, I, I, it, w- it was really tough you know um there's too much to do you have to be a secretary as well as a teacher you know you're expected to call families about every announcement there is to make i had you know i taught sixth seventh and eighth grade so i had over 100 students and so if my principal said you know we want you to call families with this announcement um, maybe there was like 30 in my homeroom that I would call, but sometimes like if it was related to my class, I'd have to call through like a whole list of a hundred. So, um, you know, uh, I, I believe that if the city wanted to, it wouldn't be that hard to make a better school system, but it feels like you're fighting against something that doesn't want you to do a good job and tries to weaponize how hard it is, um, to just continue to undermine it Uh, and you know running for alderman for which is a a policy position on city council for the city of Chicago uh, a lot of my focus has been about city staffing across the departments and um, the ways in which working for the city can be really difficult and how we can make it better and how I think the city doesn't want a, a lot of people that control city council don't want it to be better uh, because I think they want to try to privatize as much as possible and move it out of the public sphere. And so I, I think if you're really confused about why public schools are failing, uh, why other public institutions are failing, it all starts to make more sense if you think that actually a lot of the people that are in control in these public spaces um, want it to fail so that they can transfer it over to the private sphere. Um, it's not a conspiracy brain. If you look into it, lots of people are hoping to turn education into a pro uh, a for-profit field. A lot of people are hoping to take any public utilities left and turn it into for-profit, um, you know, public transportation, anything publicly owned and operated basically. There's a group of people that want to turn that into something for profit and anybody that works In these public spheres really feel that um, because basically it's supposed to make it so untenable that people don't want to work in public education, people don't want to work in CTA, public transportation in Chicago, people don't want to work for the parks district because um, they're going to make it hard for you if you're going to advocate for those things and and do a good job there. So I'll leave it at that. I know we've been talking for like what feels like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great answer. Also, if people are curious, um, there's a really good book about Chicago specifically called Ghosts in the Schoolyard, um, about the school district, specifically school closings in historically black and brown neighborhoods. And the book focuses on Chicago, but it's a very similar history to what happens in a lot of um, US cities, if you wanna know more about that. But if you wanna know more about Ambria, which is Uh why you came here today um (laughs) is it (laughs) (laughs) well you talked about how you've you've become more decisive can you tell us how you decided to run for alderman yeah um the funny thing is is that it wasn't extremely decisive uh when i decided to run for alderman you know people were to i talked man years and years ago i talked to a guy who was like thinking about running for alderman who was also a socialist um and he ultimately didn't do it and when i i was gonna help him out i was talking to people and a lot of them were like well you should run <laughs> and i was like no it's this other guy that's thinking about it um and people kept telling me that and i was in grad school to become a teacher and i was right. like i no, i'm starting my career i can't um, i want to be a teacher and uh I just kept talking to people and it got to the point where, you know, we saw a bunch of socialists, uh, get onto city council, six different people that were members of the Chicago DSA, uh, ended up on city council in the last, uh, race in 2019. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it just started to open up this possibility of what if we get more, um, And uh, we were talking about, well, who's going to run against Patrick Daly Thompson here because we had seen some people run progressive campaigns without having a ton of support, right, Uh, without fundraising a ton of money, uh, without doing as much door knocking as maybe, you know, a, a more well endowed campaign would do, and they were still performing. They didn't win, didn't necessarily get to the runoff, but they were performing and didn't have, um, you know, didn't have a substantial structure to their campaign. So the theory is if we ran a really strong campaign, we think maybe uh, a progressive campaign could win. I talked to a bunch of other people about running. <laughs> you know, uh, I kind of kept hoping that someone better would show up. Um, I hadn't been teaching for that long uh, by the time... I announced i i was in my third year of teaching it takes a long time to become a teacher so i had fought yeah i had fought hard to become a teacher and i was a little like i don't know um but yeah i think uh, just getting lots of encouragement from people around me um that i would have a strong campaign you know i've been in the area for a decade at this point so i have strong roots here and i'd also been very active um you know i was active in my union ctu active with the dsa just seemed like a um i was really poised to be potentially a strong candidate and i had been talking to people about potentially running for a little while and i i honestly just felt frustrated i felt that i deserve better representation than i had had my neighbors deserve better representation I want to be an organizer in office. I want to collaborate with the people here to make this better locally, to make Chicago a better city. Um, I, I want to problem solve with people. Um, and that's basically what it comes down to is I think we need somebody who's working class, not only to represent this area, but to fight for working people uh, on city council
2: totally um I feel like you started to talk about this a little bit but I was just curious for people who don't know Chicago as well if you could talk a little bit about just like what the 11th Ward is like as an area like what do you like about living there and then maybe what are like some of the big issues that you are hoping to address and like work with your neighbors to address
1: thank you yeah Ozzy go uh (laughs) (laughs) That was such a politician thank answer. You, You're like, yeah. thank you for that question. Thank you for that question, <laughs> <Excellent Aussie."> Ozzy. <question>. Go <laughs> die. No, I'm I'm so excited. Aussie has hopped into the chat. So the 11th ward is really interesting because it's like the daily backyard. It has a huge white supremacist uh, background. Um, mm. There is a group called the Hamburg Club. Here, they were a big part of the white riots in 1919. Um, the dailies were kind of connected to that. Um, during the uprising in 2020, uh, there were vigilantes that were all on the streets with weapons that were checking, you know, asking people for proof that they live in the neighborhood to pass because there was like a, a demonstration in, in Bronzeville, which is one neighborhood over that has a lot more people of color that live there. Um, you know, I organized around, um, making the alderman at the time, Patrick Daly Thompson denounce that and tell people not to come out the next night. Um, you know, uh, the weird thing is that despite all that, this is a very diverse neighborhood. When you look at the numbers, Bridgeport, um, the 11th ward where I'm running is made up of more than one neighborhood and it was remapped. Um, so before the remap, which happened recently. Uh, It contained Bridgeport, Canaryville, Armour Square. Um, Those are neighborhoods, right? And it was about 40% Asian. So now there's been a remap that includes Chinatown, which was previously just to the north. Um, And it used to be part of the 25th Ward, which is mostly Latino. So this remap unites uh, a big Asian population that was very disparate before um and so it's been this really amazing opportunity to unite uh, an asian population politically that has been very separated um based on like the ward boundaries patrick daly thompson was very against that move um but then he got ousted <laughs> so he's no longer with us um r.i.p R.I.P. R.I.P. Patrick Daly Thompson. Um, You know, I think something, you know, that we've had to contend with is that there is a progressive contingent in the ward that includes plenty of Asian people. There's also a huge conservative contingent in the ward, a very um, adamantly pro-police, you know, zero criticisms contingent, and that stretches across... The asian population the white population the latino population right there's a segment for each of those categories um, that are very like law and order very right wing very conservative um but at the same time in all of those categories there's also people that want a more progressive option so that's kind of been what we've been contending with and it's it's a very interesting um issue, right? Because we want Asian representation, but also, what are the politics that we want? What are the policies that we want? And I've talked to a lot of people that want someone who's really pro-labor, who really stands up for the working class. Um, And then there's people um, that want somebody Asian to be the representative here. And I respect that. And we have a few Asian people running. Um, And then there's also people who are very um, pro-law and order candidates, very pro-police, very right-wing, and those people are going to vote for those candidates. And we don't um, respect that. No. And we don't <laughs> respect that. Yeah. I, I, and like, let's be real, I'm the only progressive candidate. None of the other candidates are progressive, much less leftists. So yeah. Uh, a lot of the issues that people end up caring about though are the same whether, no matter what their ethnicity or nationality or race, no matter honestly what their political views are, people want their sidewalks and streets and trees maintained. Uh, people do want public schools funded and well-functioning. People want good city services. Um, That's the thing is... You know democratic socialism stands for a lot of things that are extremely popular uh and no matter Shocking. what people's i know things that benefit a lot you of heard people. it here first everybody people <laughs> like it people <laughs> like it yeah um, medical care for people uh, re- reasonable prices for utilities uh taxing the rich and not people that are struggling to survive uh taxing big corporations their fair share uh maintaining uh you know the basic infrastructure of the ward keeping people safe uh reopening mental health clinics these things are all extremely popular honestly when i've been knocking doors which we've been doing for over a year uh with everyone doesn't matter where they stand uh
0: as far as left right whatever makes sense and you're the only one who's actually gonna fight for those things though (laughs) oh yeah you should check out the websites of my opponents it's Um, yeah i can imagine
1: i think only two of them have websites and it basically says like i am a good person here's my story and there's nothing like mine has like a (laughs) campaign platform that says like 20 million things that i commit to nobody else is committing to what they'll actually do right totally Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's super interesting to hear you talk about Bridgeport, because when I first heard about Bridgeport, so I've been in Chicago for a couple years, as a lot of listeners know, and
0: I was working in like a supportive housing program when I first moved here, which is um, how I was like getting to know some of the neighborhoods. And so our clients could like,
1: we would help them find apartments, but they could live anywhere in Chicago city limits. But I remember my supervisor, pretty much all of our clients were people of color. My supervisor was like, yeah, we don't house people in Bridgeport. Like there's a lot of white supremacists there. Um, And like a lot of cops. And so we would like avoid putting our clients, a a lot of them also had like incarceration records. Um, And so we would avoid putting our clients in Bridgeport. And that was like all that I really knew about it until um, I knew that that's where Ambria was running. So yeah, I think, I don't know, that's just interesting to hear kind of like the bigger picture around that and that maybe with ambria in charge that could change yeah uh, uh, the black population in bridgeport it's probably updated but i think the last i looked it was like four percent and that was like a 200 increase over the past 10 years oh um in the 90s there was a 13 year old boy that was beaten to death or almost to death and put into a coma um, and it was completely racial, like documentation shows that he lived in Bronzeville and came over the dividing line to put air in his tires at a gas station. Mm-hmm. Cause he was riding his bicycle and a bunch of white Bridgeport boys told him he wasn't welcome here and beat the shit out of him. And uh, yeah, put him in a coma. He was hospitalized, um, almost died, um that was in the 90s okay 1990s um there was like three boys maybe three boys implicated maybe one ended up in court I'm trying to remember the exact scenario but apparently like all the witnesses like disappeared um his family was very connected um to I'm not gonna say what kind of element um but you know his family was very connected around here. And the, the boys that were involved with that would probably be in their 50s now. Um, so if you can imagine the environment that a lot of people lived in in Bridgeport up, up until this day, you'd probably be right. Uh, I think there's been a lot of change in this neighborhood, but there's still a lot of that old element. And I also want to say that um, the anti-Blackness runs through every ethnic community other than black in this neighborhood so i think we also have to be really serious when we're like talking about how we pander to every single ethnicity here like what are the politics of that and who does it hurt and i think just because black people are only you know four percent or so of the population doesn't need mean that we should be considering them any less right it's not only about who is the voting majority. But I think, for me, every guiding decision has to be about who's most vulnerable. Um, And that includes every immigrant, that includes black people, that includes, you know, who, like I said, whoever is most vulnerable, right, renters, um, you know, that's who we need to be thinking about when we're making our decisions. And It's not easy because there's a lot of overlapping oppressions. And I think they're all important to address, Um, but we can't forget some for the sake of others.
0: Totally well said. And in that vein, I know one of your primary like campaign platforms is around environmental justice, which um, I don't
1: know if there still are any, there was some limited edition merch, which I have. It's very cool. if there still are any, people should buy them. But can you talk about what
0: that looks like on a local level?
1: Yeah, so here in Bridgeport, we do not have it the worst of any area on the South Side, but South Side Chicago generally has a lot more high-end index polluters, which is, you know, a scientific measurement of how much any given, a company in a a specific industry category is a polluter, right? So it's it's pretty easy to spot. um, If you're in a certain category, we kind of can know, okay, according to what industry you're in, here's how much you pollute. And this area, along with the areas surrounding us, such as Little Village, we have a lot of those polluters that do a lot of polluting of the air, Of the ground soil of the water um we have even more on the southeast side but even though bridgeport only has like a few maybe four high index polluters here little village right outside of this neighborhood has a ton um you know to the south we have a ton to the direct west we have a ton so that is addressed through working with the illinois epa Uh, That is addressed through as an alderman, you know, standing against having more big polluters come to your neighborhood. You know, I had somebody ask me, well, where should they go then? Well, although I think it's an issue to have polluters in your vicinity, uh, they should go to neighborhoods where there aren't already 10. Right. Um, The people in this region are already suffering suffering adverse health effects from having so many polluters and we keep adding them. We keep adding Amazon distribution warehouses, uh, which increase the air pollution through having tons and tons and tons of vehicles, a lot of which run on diesel um, and create more air pollution. This is pretty simple. If you don't think anybody should breathe it, why do you think we should breathe it before other people do? children are affected by that and uh aldermen other officials can make an impact on those decisions for sure most of these companies need zoning changes when they come to a new area and for the most part they need an alderman's approval the city council votes on it but there is a tradition of of honoring what an alderman wants and the aldermen that we've had in the past have been very happy to approve these things to bring this industry to our neighborhood. Um, I don't think there's any reason to do that. A lot of people have cited jobs and the economy. For one thing, we don't even ask them to agree to prioritize the people that live in this area for hiring. We don't ask for anything. In fact, we give them benefits. Don't ask for anything in exchange. Illinois doesn't offer the doesn't charge these huge companies state taxes the little people pay taxes, the big people don't, um, you know, it's totally backwards and we can absolutely, I, I think I always speak about this in in this way, because, um, I think the people in power try to tell us that there's no other way. And actually it's very easy to do it a different way. It's very easy to tell polluters don't come here. Very easy to deny their zoning changes or at least not give support to them. It's very easy to tax big companies more and poor people and people in the middle less.
2: Yeah, this is a bit of a different direction, but I wanted to ask just about like, what your experience has been running as an open socialist candidate. Um, I know you were mentioning like, there have been some other DSA members elected um, around you recently, but I guess I'm just curious like if you've encountered anyone who's like less familiar with democratic socialism and kind of like what their responses have been when they hear like what you stand for um and the fact that those things are tied to some sort of socialist politics
1: I've honestly expected more pushback than what I've gotten Mm -hmm. um I for one thing I think people are just like super excited to have a working class person running um, I've had, I, I'm sure to get worse, we're about to enter like the last three months before the election and we just finalized the ballot. So it's sort of like everybody kind of like relaxes until the ballot is final. Um, so the ballots about to be final. Um, I have been surprised that most people don't really seem to care. Um, they seem to care more that I'm a normal person. Um, I think the experience has been somewhat dehumanizing i mean honestly like other socialists have criticized me more i think than anyone else which has been really Mm -hmm.
0: interesting
1: you know it's really
0: interesting because i feel like we even get that it's like people will like misconstrue what we say and it's like isn't one of the principles to like believe in best intentions too and why are you fighting me (laughs) Yeah, and it's not to say that, like, we
1: shouldn't be criticized. No,
0: of course, of
1: course. Yeah, but it sometimes feels like I'm like, I'm not sure what I could do to make you think that I'm good. <laughs> um, You know, I I feel like, you know, there's been back and forth about, you know, since there's so many Asian people in, in the ward, should it be an Asian person? And I had tried to encourage Asian people to run, Um and uh the person with our politics did not appear you know and i'm the lone progressive and there's like a lot of right-wing people and it's sort of like well you know asian people there are asian people who also want a progressive option in this ward um you know i i feel like a lot of dehumanization has actually come from our own backyard. And I don't know what that means, maybe that's good that like we hold people to task in ways that like other groups don't. But it's also been interesting because like groups and coalitions that are strong in Chinatown and um, you know, there's Chinese language media that's distributed in the area, they've written me up very positively, like a ton of times. I feel like I've gotten way more press from Chinese media than I have from English language media. And I've had like Chinese journalists be like, I love you because you stand for the worker Um, because we gave out lit about the workers rights amendment. Um, It actually feels like way more of the criticism has come from leftism, leftists that are in in different parts of the city. I don't know, maybe leftists are just more willing to say it to your face and other people aren't. <laughs> um,
0: That's very But, positive. you
1: know, in, like, canvassing in Chinatown and, you know, um, we have three field organizers that speak Chinese languages, taiwanese um, Cantonese, uh, Mandarin, um, you know, in, in working with them in canvassing. Um, we really haven't had people say that, have any issue with a white person running maybe that's just politeness i don't know um i know it's coming but so far i haven't gotten a lot of flack for being a socialist
2: yeah that's great to hear um i feel like this also kind of leads well into something else i wanted to ask which i think you've kind of addressed but if you have anything else to add now's the time so who are you (laughs) running against and why do we hate them
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay can I start with Froy Jimenez? Of course, <laughs> please. So there's this guy named Freud. He's run for a lot of other stuff. Uh, he is a CPS uh, history social, like a history teacher in high schools. Um, we went to uh, a forum for a group called CBCAC, which is the Coalition for a Better Chinese American Community, and they had a forum where all... The candidates would come and speak at this, like, important center in Chinatown, just introducing ourselves. And he went up and he literally, like, screamed hello in Chinese, but, like, screamed it. Oh, it's giving, like, Beto O'Rourke energy. (laughs) And then did, like did, like, a Confucius says. No. <laughs> <And> like It's, <laughs> like, Confucius quotes. No. And our poor, one of our steering committees, so we have a steering committee that, like, decides Did everything. you start quoting Mao, Ambria? <laughs> yes. How? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, we do have a picture of Mao in our hope, an illustration of Mao as a peasant, which came from our roommates. Beautiful. Anyway, our roommate's orphanage gifted it to her. I'll leave it at that. But, um, yeah, he, he did this whole, like, he was quoting Confucius. And then he was, like, he might be part Italian. I don't know. He's Latino. But he kept speaking, like, English and Chinese and then Italian. Like, he would do, like, a phrase in those three. And then he, uh, my poor, one of my poor friends that's on the steering committee who, is a Burmese woman who's ethnically Chinese that grew up in the neighborhood like was like he was so triggering um so like people were upset and also if you like the audience was like clearly shaken by this cuz it was mostly asian people and then he also um towards the end was like i just hope if like we can make room for i can't remember how he put it He's like if we can make room for chinese people and like appreciate asian leadership like i just hope that we can like celebrate columbus day
0: (laughs) oh my god what
1: what
2: (laughs) yeah i don't even know
1: what that's supposed to mean
0: i know Um,
2: it's so mysterious that
1: means if we're nice enough to celebrate chinese people i just Hope that we can do Italians too. That we can also celebrate Italian independence. Include Italians instead of. Oh my God.
2: God. So he must be Italian. Like why? What is this? I don't know. Obsession. His his
1: last name is Jimenez. (laughs) I was like, maybe he's part of Italian. He also kept speaking. Like he'd be like, hello. And like, Chinese in Mandarin, and then in Italian and English. So I was like, "Is he Italian, or is he just like an Italian fanboy?" Unclear.
0: Unclear. Uh,
1: yeah, not sure. Not any sure. other
0: ones we oh. want to shout out? Oh, oh man. I mean, I'm sure um, there are many. It but sounds
2: like there's a lot. Yeah, but
0: if you have any any other,
2: other notable Tony
1: Tony Chervino, who is a police officer has a fire truck that he's like rented from somebody from some other town. And he's been taking it around with like a big banner that has his face on it and dressing up somebody not, I don't know if it's him, but somebody's dressed as Santa and they're like running around and playing Christmas music and then like taking the fire truck everywhere. And like, I got a call from a friend who was like, Uh yeah, this guy came down my street with a fire truck, and they were playing sirens and knocking on people were running up and knocking on people's doors. Oh my god! And we thought something had happened. Right, of course. We were getting evacuated.
2: Oh my god! And we were
1: scared. And then they were like, "Vote Tony."
0: (laughs) No.
2: So the through line seems to be the other candidates are like harassing people like yelling fire in a crowded theater by Just...
0: yeah, literally <laughs> not yeah. trauma-informed campaigns not at all
1: no no um the incumbent nicole Lee, you know her dad worked for richard m daily i'll leave it at that you know i don't want to don't want to cause bad blood Because she has a lot of money at her disposal,
0: and I don't want to encourage any slinging. Just Google the Daily Family once again, um, if you haven't. Or the Lee Family. Or the Lee Family. I didn't tell you to. (laughs) I did. It's fine.
1: Yeah, Laura said it.
0: (laughs) You should probably leave them alone. Like
1: They're really good people. Exactly. She's been, she's been very polite to me. I hope we can continue that and that her family does not leverage their extreme resources to (laughs) put me in any way. Just shake hands and say, nice to see you. Um, I'd like, we can continue that.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, on that note, uh, because, you know, you may not come from a family that can support you in that way. Uh, Can people support your campaign from afar? Any action items we can tell our listeners? And if there's anyone in Chicago, where can we direct them to help you out? AmbriaForAlderman.com backslash
1: donate. Hell yeah. And if that's too hard to remember, go to AmbriaForAlderman.com. A-M-B-R-I-A-F-O-R-A-L-D-E e r m a n dot and there's a donate button right at the top.
0: Perfect. We will link it in the app. We have three months.
1: We have three months. We just hired a full time field director. We have raised sixty thousand dollars. So like you're not throwing your money away. We got a thing going. But we also hired a campaign manager. We we have a campaign office. We could use the money. The floor is painted, if you didn't hear that we shout out. painted <laughs> the floor. We're doing a diaper drive right now. So also get in touch with Season of the Bee people if you want to have some diapers sent here because we're going to give away a bunch of diapers to local people. Um, you know, we could use the money for these last three months. And if there's a runoff, it'll be another two months. So. Damn. Hopefully, you just clobber
0: them all. Or another one month. (laughs) You have to win by 50% or more. And there's. Oh, never mind. Seven of us. Oh, yeah. So it's
1: nonpartisan. So it's like you have to win by 50% or more. And if nobody does, then the top two do a runoff. So if we do the runoff, the initial election is February 28th. And if there's a runoff, the runoff is April 4th. And then. Whoever wins takes office in May. You don't even have wow. time. You don't even have time to go to Mexico Mexico City for a vacation, which is what I would like to do. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it.
0: Well, send Ambria your money. Yeah, sem- send Ambria Please. your money. Thank you so much for coming back to your roots, to your internet roots at Season of the B v- Season of the Bitch. Um, everyone go vote for Ambria everyone donate your money to Ambria after you're done doing that you can support us at patreon.com seasonofthebitch of the bitch uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter you can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and um, you can get some merch f- for Christmas uh, for your holiday season uh, seasonofthebee.com love you guys <laughs> Love, love you bye love
2: you bye bye love you <laughs> bye, bye. bye. Love you. bye.